0: What are your feelings about this season? I, um, well, first of all, I sent to Gareth two days ago the Ajax score where they won by 13-0 enough to have. So, uh, I mean, if they can do it, why can't we? But having said that, uh, regardless of what happens, I think it has been a hugely successful season. I am not one who is satisfied, however, with what has happened. I take personal responsibility for our failures at the beginning of the season because I allowed a culture of, wow, look at us, we're in the championship, and there was a sort of looking around at how exciting it was. And I probably should have been harsher about that, that after all, we're all getting paid to be here, let's be here. And you can go back to that first game, and I know our fans will visit with me on this, when we played Rotherham and we lost an extra time we sit here today, and you realize just how important every game is. If we had gotten those three points and they had not, and everything else had played out, we would not be talking about today the the need to get 13. There are other times in that first seven-game stretch, and you know, it took getting clobbered a couple of times, I think, for us to really look ourselves in the eye and say, we got one of two ways to go. We can man up and approach this thing as professionals and understand we are as good as other people, or we can just kind of shrink away. And I am so proud of Gareth, the staff, and the players. They took it upon themselves, and they did extraordinarily well. You can whine and complain about referees' calls, and Pete and I do this, uh, and and he can come up and he can show you 12 points we lost. I've told him, look, there are other teams that – among those that we're competing with, who probably can claim the same or come up with a reasonable argument, you can. Injuries, I think, are what truly disturbed. We, we hired, we brought some really good lads on, and, and they were confronted with injuries that uh, red cards that decimated us at the wrong times. I have, as any good fan would, a list of 12 things that we could have avoided, and we would be mid table minimum but i take out of this an absolute certainty this club can compete at the championship level all those people who told me when i first told them we're going for the championships oh this is little wickham we can't do that we're wrong and it is my absolute commitment to prove them wrong and we're going to take every step look in the team that that we feel next year we have to make sure If something horrible happens and we don't get 13 and we're back in League One, we don't assume we're just going to come right back up because, after all, look at what we did. We're going to make those strides we need to make sure we are battering it down. We're coming home, and home to me is in the championship.
1: Fantastic. That you know, I, I think for all fans, that's wonderful to hear. Uh, what about Gareth? Obviously, there has been some speculation with regards to, to other teams. Uh, is he the man who you expect to be leading us back to the championship? Yes. Um, look, Gareth and
0: I, again, I told you, we, we got to know each other a little bit. Uh, we have an understanding. He will tell me if something else comes up that requires him to give it serious consideration. We live in a competitive world. He is a competitor. He deserves to be in the championship, in my estimation. I believe that he can bring us back there, and we will give him. He and I met uh, when I was over here three weeks ago, and we went through the list of things that he thought he needed to be able to get back. And I've given it to him. I've told him, yes, 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 yes. We're redoing the training grounds to make them championship level. We're redoing his suite of uh, offices and uh, changing rooms to make sure they're championship level here. It's going to take us a while, but we'll get there. So I think he wants to stay. But I am not a fool. If somebody comes that has a huge bucket load of money, a long history in the championship that would not require devastating his family by moving, uh, that's going to be tough. I think we have made it so attractive for him here. It's hard for those other clubs to figure out what to do to come getting which is all i can do
1: yeah of course and i think we all keep our fingers crossed for that as well absolutely uh with regards to the fans obviously season tickets are now back on sale as far as we know fingers crossed they will hopefully be allowed back in in august uh what would you say to those fans uh who are currently either yet to renew or are thinking of actually taking a season ticket for next year
0: well, let me start with the fans I most want to thank, those people who bought tickets for last year. And whether they asked for a refund or not, they put their money up. They didn't bother us. Nobody. And you know, look, our, our pledge was all during the year. If you need the money, let me know. We'll give it to you. No harm, no foul. We did it. When we started this, before we started this season ticket uh, deal, we did something a little unusual. We kind of actively pushed to make sure everybody knew they had an absolute right to get their money back. Uh, And so I want to thank everybody who bought the ticket. Those who took the money back, I understand, and I don't begrudge them for a moment. They are loyal fans. Those who left the money in, terrific. I mean, they they allowed us to have the Reserve Squad, or the B Squad, or whatever we're ultimately going to call it, from which Annis McMeady arose. So they had a real role to play. Uh, Going forward, I I want to say we're at 1,300 season tickets already. Ben Griffith, Neil Peters, Pete uh, Kooley did a fabulous job of putting that together. We're one of the first clubs to offer an in-house subscription plan so that nobody has to write the full ticket. You can do it over 12 months. I think that it allows us to plan. It allows you to plan if you really want to be a fan and can do it. And these lots of things that will come with the subscription as we go. We're learning how to add to it and make things more attractive. So I would tell them that if they want to see world-quality qu- football, if they want to come to one of the most progressive stadiums in the UK, if they want to have great food, drink, and entertainment, and if they want to be a huge part of this community, now's a great time to buy
1: you a ticket. One of the things that you do so well over in America is the, the tailgate party, which doesn't really sort of happen here. The The concept of going to, a, as you would say, parking lot at, say, 8 o'clock in the morning before a game kicks off at 1 in the afternoon. Are, are we going to see that sort of thing here?
0: Well, yeah. We started it last year with the uh, Chairboys Village, if you remember. Uh, we brought in the food trucks. We're making it available for people well in advance. Our goal is to get you here early and keep you late. It does three things. One, it's a great way to spend a Saturday with your family. It's low-key. You get to talk. You get to see your friends. You get to have a couple of beers. You have a hot dog. I always recommend the hot dogs. And, or, or we actually sell vegan burgers, too. So you can have the whole deal, and that's good. You get a chance to get out and socialize, and gosh, we all need to do a bunch of that and have a great time. I, to me, we're trying to replicate, and we are some distance from this. If you've been to America and you've been to a college football game in the Deep South where I am... 50,000 people will be out at 10 o'clock in the morning for a game that doesn't start until six that night. I don't think we're there yet, but we're making it so attractive, more and more people will want to
1: be here. With regards as well to the stadium and say the parking, is is there anything that you're you're, you're planning on doing about that?
0: Yeah. Neil and Pete have been meeting, and Gordon Riley have been meeting with yeah. council officials yeah. about how we can do better parking rides, how we can bring people in better and park them better, how we can get people out of here better because that's a pain. I have to tell you this, though. People complain because it takes them an extra 20 minutes. I had joined that frustration, and then I went to see the LSU Tigers play, and I have great seats, and I'm leaving the game, and it took me a half an hour to leave there. Now, admittedly, they had 75,000 people, but it's the same concept. Everybody trying to jam, jam out of that one funnel is always going to be a little
1: tough. Yeah, of course. Obviously, recently over here we've had the whole European Super League being talked about. What are your feelings as a as an owner about that? I
0: didn't understand it. Operation Big Picture was the original thing that came out. I was a proponent, and I'll be candid as to why. There was going to be a lot of money flowing to the lower leagues. Championship, yes, in which we were a part, but of particular interest was how much money was going to go to the League One, League Two and and below, because to me that money is vital. I talk about us being in pretty good shape and we are. But even with us in good shape, it's by a thread. You know, twenty five percent of this club is owned by the fans. I have a fiduciary obligation to them to hold off from doing a cash call if I can. And I honor that. Now the newest thing I don't know what the heck took place. I'll be honest. Where you come up with this idea that you're entitled to be in the Super League, you know, I I presume that what it was is that they looked at the success of the NFL and they said if you can limit yourself and you have guaranteed revenues, you can, in effect, create value in your club, That does not exist. If you know, by way of example, as they were told, that you're going to get $300 million a year in perpetuity, right away your club becomes worth $5 billion. Right now, they don't know what they're going to get, and I can tell you, as a person who's tried to buy them, it's hard to value these clubs. So that made sense to me. The way they went about it was all wrong. And the thing that I have learned from English football, that is, I guess it's football everywhere but the United States, that really makes it unique is relegation and promotion. If you've ever been to watch the Florida Marlins in August, when they are 23 games out of place, it's you and your sister and two other people. Because nobody cares. Because you know you'll start all over again in exactly the same spot next spring. There's no sense of going down. Here, this past month, has been both terrifying and exhilarating not just for us, but virtually all up and down the pyramid. It is fantastic. Now, this year, they should have a deal that says if you just came into the championship during a COVID situation, you get to stay no matter what.
1: But they're probably not going to put that in in time. I hope you suggested that. <laughs> <laughs> if you know me, you know I did. <laughs> <laughs> but you're absolutely right. And the, the, the Florida Merlins example is such a good one in that here you know that if the fans were allowed in it would have been absolutely packed for the, the game against Bournemouth. Absolutely. And what a game they would have seen, huh? Yeah. And, yeah, and and what will be
0: good, if you don't mind me putting my salesman hat on now, if they had been in, we're in a similar situation next year for promotion, when we're trying to get our automatic promotion spot, and we're playing somebody, I probably Bournemouth or somebody like that because we'll still be in the championship. But when we're playing for those promotional spots, you'll be able to sit there, watch the game and on our big screen, watch what's going on, watch the table change. I found this curious. Uh, You would never do this in America. You would never get the standings changing based on a position a third of the way through the game. It's over when it's over. But here, Trevor Stroud showed me this the first time. Because we were winning 1-0, and so you get the three points in your column, and whoa, look at us. It's wild. Next year, though, you'll be able to see it on the big screen, and Neil will kill me if I didn't say this. We have 110 television screens now in the stadium that did not exist before. There's a huge screen that will be in the Caledonian suite, outside, everywhere. You will not be able to miss other football games, other attractions. Why an interest in, in English football, Rob? Well, I guess it stems from sort of a parapathetic approach to life. I like to do various things. I love events. Start there. In the mid-'90s, I had gotten divorced. I was trying a lawsuit in, in San Diego. And if you get a chance to try a case in San Diego, let me recommend it to you. But I was coming back and forth to New Orleans every other weekend, And on those alternative weekends, I started going to Major League Baseball. First in San Diego. Pretty nice. Second two weeks, I went to the Los Angeles Angels in Anaheim. Nice. Third weekend, I went on a Saturday afternoon to the Los Angeles Dodgers and Dodgers Stadium. 60,000 people, 45,000 of whom were the most beautiful women I had ever seen in my life. I'm single. I said, I got to get me one of these. (laughs) And so, seriously, I just, I love events, and I love putting things on for people, and I like to have them have a good time. That's probably the New Orleanian in me. Uh, My mom and and dad were like that. So, uh, and I like the business component. In minor league baseball, I set out to prove that you could bring minor league baseball to New Orleans. We had not had it in 30 years build a stadium that was truly baseball centric but could do other things. Um, we did that. And we built uh, uh, we built it into one of the four or five most successful teams in America. We won,
1: I was gonna say on the pitch, y'all have got me. Uh, that, that's impressive though we if, if, if we've got you speaking the English way around, then that is very good. We've got you. yeah, but we won we won the uh, the world championship in baseball. and
0: for me, We won the championship in that uh, four – when I owned it, we were almost always in the top five in attendance in all of minor league baseball. Uh, We got to do some fun things with our stadium. I put in the first swimming pool of any stadium in America uh, for baseball. So uh, that was good, and I owned them until 2002, 2003, somewhere in there. And and the time had come, and I got out of it, and we got into doing other things. Katrina hit – And one day at Thanksgiving, my brother and nephew, Pete, who's a world-famous celebrity here in uh, High Wycombe, but my brother Kevin and Pete, big, big Liverpool fans. Kevin has been flying over to England to watch Liverpool for 35 years. Uh, I had never seen a game. I I had owned a minor league soccer team in the States. It did pretty well, but I was not that involved in it other than the ownership and, and frankly, the uh, financial part. They said, why don't you buy a team over here? I said, well, I'll do that. So, but you know, why not? <laughs> it's Thanksgiving. I had had maybe more than one glass of wine. Uh, so I wrote to four or five teams, and I got back responses anywhere from no response to thanks for the interest, but we're not, to... Uh, in Plymouth, a guy who's turned out to be a friend of mine now, oh uh, Simon Haslett said, oh, "I just did it. <laughs> you're too late." And the Yeovil guy said uh, nothing. Uh, but I met a, a guy, Mark Palmer, through that, and he said, "Well, look, when you come to England next time, let's at least sit and talk about what you're trying to do." So my wife and I, and two couples that are very good friends of ours, came over here for the Chelsea Flower Show. And we went to that, and I had agreed to meet with Palmer. When we walked out, and I brought with me one of the guys who has invested with me in virtually everything I've done for 30 years. We walked out of that, and he said, I'll tell you one thing. I'm not doing it. It's a fool's game. You can't make any money. These people, all they want to do is sell it to the next guy. And I said, well, I don't know. I think I might. He says, well, just don't put my name on anything. (laughs) So we had a good laugh, but I was very interested. By coincidence, the next day, uh, we drove up to Oxford to look at the team. And my buddy Dick said, well, y'all go. I'm not going. There's nothing in Oxford for me. Uh, but one of the, uh, the girls on the trip, she it was an high executive for Madison Square Garden. So she and I toured Missy and her husband wandered around Oxford while she and I toured the uh, Kazam Stadium. And we finished, and we had a nice meeting with the folks there. And she turned to me, and she said, if I was you, I wouldn't do it. I said, why not? She said, single worst lease I've ever seen in my life. And I said, okay, good enough for me. And I thought it was done. Uh, out of the blue, Mark Palmer called me and said, how about Yovel?" I looked at it. It was intriguing. I had no idea where it was. I went over. We got interested in it. I thought there was huge potential there for a variety of reasons. Uh, we lent them some money to help them stabilize. Uh, Pete came over and began the due diligence on it. I, I thought we were we signed an agreement. I thought we were ready to go, and at the last minute they pulled out of it. I to this day have no clue what happened. Both John Fry and and uh, Norman are friends to as far as I know, but they didn't want to do the deal. So I thought I was totally out. I went home. I called Chris Boyce, our lawyer, and I said, hey, Chris, can I get my money back? He said, yeah, you'll probably get it. And I did. In the meantime, Palmer calls me up and says, why don't you come over and look at some other clubs? I said, "I, you know, I've been burnt now. Uh, he said, "Now give it one more weekend. You, you've gotten this far. So I flew over. He sent me up to Grimsby. <laughs> Did you did have the fish and chips? <laughs> yeah, they had a little fish and chips. But I called my wife and I said, pretty sure we're not buying this one because I want to stay married. I talked to the guy, believe it or not, at Burry, complete idiot. I could not get him to tell me a straight story. And I think what people probably have learned about me is that as friendly as I may be, I'm a pretty much X and Y sort of guy. Tell me what the deal is and I'll tell you yes or no. If you just want to tell me your life story and about why we're going to ultimately get to X, I got no time for you. So we got out of that, and I was thinking I'm done. I'm driving back to Heathrow. Mark calls me and says, how about Wickham? I said, Mark, take this the right way. I have no clue where it is. He says, it's perfect. It's on the way to, the, to Heathrow. Trevor Stroud will meet you and me. And so I came here. Trevor really sold Wickham, plus the place sells itself. And so we had a conversation. I told him I was interested. I told him what I would do. I got on the plane once again thinking, well, I probably got a chance at this. Got home. Three days later, they said, we've picked somebody else. And I can remember I wrote to him, and I said, did not realize it was a competition. If you are interested in me... I will remain interested for a little bit, but I'm not changing my approach. And about a week or two later, he called me up and said, look, we do have a real interest in you. Are you still interested? And I said, I am. I can be there tomorrow. And I think that impressed him when I showed up less than 24 hours later from New Orleans. I met with them, uh, the board and Trevor and We finished, and he said, well, I'll let you know. And I want to say it was that night or the next day. He said, yeah, we're willing to do the deal. Can you help us out now? I said, what do you need? He said, half a million pounds. When do you need it? Tomorrow. Okay. Uh, And so we did. I mean, it took maybe 48 hours to get the paperwork sorted. So I got excited by it, and I told Pete. I said, Pete, never leave me alone again. (laughs) And I got him to come over. Missy came over. I had a conversation before that with Gareth where we were very direct with each other. What do you need? I said, I do not want to be throwing up in April, worried about getting relegated. Uh, He told me, um, I said, I will do that for you. We made that commitment. We came over. We entered into, uh, again, Boyce and the lawyers for the trust, began their negotiations. We knew that we had to get an approval from everybody, 75%. And so we just went about our business. So here I am.
1: And did you expect to get that approval? Oh, yeah. Uh,
0: look, I part of my background is doing politics. Uh, I have not been successful as a candidate, but I am probably the single most successful campaign manager you'll meet. Uh, and the only reason I don't think I was successful as a candidate, in addition to my personal flaws, is my
1: philosophy of where I live are two radically different places. So, And so looking back on it now, and I appreciate that, that we had an unplanned pandemic in the middle of it, how, how has it been so far? Has it lived up to your expectations? It has been a wild ride. We had more fun
0: between that June 15th or thereabouts when we first put up money and when I came to see the, the Doncaster game after we had finally closed February 21st, 22nd, then you can imagine. Missy was gotten to know everybody. The ladies loved her. The guys loved her. I loved everybody. Pete, of course, became a folk hero almost overnight. Uh, and so everything was going great. And then when the when the pandemic hit, uh, it radically changed everything. You know, you, you began to put things in perspective. Owning a club was fun. The club's great. But in terms of life and death, football never will be. For Pete, it has been brutal, to be honest. I don't think people understand that. He has been separated from his family almost a year and a half. He's got two boys, 13, one 17. Uh, at the time in their life when they need their dad, uh, and, and yet he he kind of he's been home three times I think in a, in 15 months, so that's been hard. Uh, the team was fabulous. Uh, they communicated with me both individually and as a group. The manager and his staff have been fabulous. I we probably Gareth and I because I'm not one of these guys who goes to the training ground and hangs around. But as a result of this, he and I had to communicate in a way, and we did a lot. So we've gotten to know each other very well. The staff here did incredibly. It was a small staff to begin with. It became much smaller as a result of the pandemic. They they trudged on. Matt Cecil, who you know is our, uh, our media guy, all of those guys did fabulous. But there was a certain lack of connectivity, if that's the right word being 4,500 miles away, you're cheering for them, you're watching iFollow or you're watching on ESPN. We had everybody at my house uh, wearing their mask when we were in the uh, playoffs. I would be lying if I said it's been the most fun time, but it has certainly been among the most satisfying of times because where we are today compared to where we are when I first met Trevor as a club, I think, a night and day. When we met the club, I want to. I don't know if this is right or not, or just what they tell me. But when you look at the financials, it was certainly looked like it. They were within days of administration; literally had run out of money, uh, and they had a big note, several big notes, come and do. Today, I don't think there are a handful of clubs that are in better economic shape than we are. In part, it's because of our management. and part, it's because we were very fortunate on some business interruption that Ian Kiesner had gotten before the pandemic, and we're one of probably less than 10 clubs that had it. Uh, we've got a good staff that put the claim together. Uh, we cut our costs where we could. We put a quality team on the field. We got very fortunate we got into the championship Uh, That brought economic good times as well. You know, the TV package. We didn't go out and do something. Gareth and I had a heart-to-heart about it. What are your options? And when we looked at it, you can go one of two ways. You can go spend big and try and clutch and hang on in the championship. The irony was is when we looked at who had done that, they didn't particularly fare any better than clubs that did not. What you really wanted to do, and I give Gareth credit for this, is you want to honor the people who got you there. And as the season goes on, you'll notice we have made certain changes, and and I hesitate to call them upgrades, but different types of players that fit into our style of play. And then, of course, we made a change in style and play, all of which I wouldn't say were premeditated, but certainly well thought out of. Uh, The club, I think, is in the is is as good a shape as you can find. We are doing things now looking forward. Nobody has a clue. We are entertaining people, knocking on the door, wanting to use our stadium. And you say, why Adams Park? Well, for those fans who haven't had a chance to be here, because it's not yet complete, we will have the, the most technologically advanced stadium out here. Every seat in the house will have great Internet connectivity. Uh, we will have the uh, – you saw, if you watched on TV, the boards, or the perimeter boards. Those were rented from a uh, Premier League team. We're bringing in new boards that are state-of-the-art, that will knock your socks off. Our scoreboard was inadequate. I was very displeased with the uh, vendor on that. That has been replaced and the new scoreboard will be roughly, I want to say, 120% larger than the old one.
1: So quite big,
0: then. Yeah, it will go from one stand to the other. You'll be able to sit in the top of the Frank Adams stand and watch it as you do television at home. Our our audio system, our music, you know, it's the home of rock and roll football. You will not be able to turn it to 11, up to 11 in our stadium, because nobody would be able to handle the noise. These will be the finest speaker systems of any park of its size. Our food system, um, I said early days that I'm a guy who likes to go to a game, not because I necessarily enjoy the specific sport, but I love the event. Um, We've got a new chef in who's got new foods, drinks, and the like most importantly you'll be able to order your food and drink instead of getting in the queue at halftime along with 9000 other people you will have gone on your on your iPhone or your smartphone and ordered your food. You'll just go to a pickup point, all done paperlessly. You'll pick up your food and drink and off you go. And so that's wildly improved. Little things that I am fascinated with, and I don't know that anybody else is. You'll be able to come into our stadium ticketless every every place. The fan experience will continue to be impressive. It's wild. It really is. And of
1: cool. All of those things that you talk about actually, uh, and you say possibly it 's only you that 's interested, but all of those things matter, and if you get in that queue at half time and you still haven 't got served by the time that the team are out in the second half that that 's really annoying, especially if you miss a goal. I learned that incidentally and
0: you 're an American baseball fan in american baseball we when we built our stadium. You were able to watch the action as you were buying your hot dog because you're going to be there three hours. And and baseball's a little bit like soccer in that when something happens, all of a sudden it happens. But they had the big jumbo screen where you could watch it happen again. Nobody got too hung up about it. Here, you don't want to miss a moment. And so we have to cater to our fan base to make sure that when the football is on, they can be on.
1: I always think of it that actually baseball and cricket are very similar like that, in that actually it doesn't matter if you miss a bit of the action, whereas actually our two football codes are exactly the same. You you go go along, you want to watch the whole thing. Absolutely. That is ex- that's probably the thing that makes them most similar, yeah. is that you don't want to miss
0: a moment of it.